You have reached Road Talk, Navigating Your Journey, a ministry and podcast of the Discover Young Adults Ministry at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. We meet at 945 on Sunday mornings, and we have small groups all throughout the week. We are located at Preston Road and Highway 635 in North Dallas. My name is Jacob Hawk. I'm the Young Adults Minister and the host of this podcast. It doesn't matter if you are single, dating, if you want to be dating, if you're married, if you want to be married, or if you're divorced, or if you're trying to figure out at what stage of life you are passing through. At the Discover Young Adults Ministry, we want to help you discover life, discover love, and discover the Lord. If I can help you or serve you in any way, or if I can pray for you, please email me at jacob at pressingcrest.org. Thank you again for tuning in today to Road Talk and Navigating Your Journey. My name is Jacob Hawk, the host of this podcast and the Young Adults Minister here at the Preston Crest Church of Christ in Dallas, Texas. This podcast exists to deal with some of the more difficult struggles of life, to discuss some of the more relevant topics of our time, and from time to time to open the Bible and look at some events in the life of Jesus that teach us so much about Christian living right now in 2020. It is no secret that 2020 has been a hard year for everyone. Even if you've held on to your job, your financial situation hasn't changed, maybe it's improved. Maybe you've been in a business or a line of work where COVID-19 has been really friendly to your bank account, to your profit margin, but it's still been a hard year. Psychologically, physically, emotionally, even spiritually, people are struggling in ways that they never have before. And there's one emotion that people struggle with frequently, even outside of COVID-19, but maybe COVID-19 has made you feel it in a way like you haven't in past months or weeks or days or even years. And that is the feeling of rejection. Have you ever experienced the pain, the heaviness, the despair of rejection. No one enjoys that feeling. No one wants to feel like they aren't going to be chosen, that they aren't useful, that that someone else could take their place in a more productive and powerful way. One of my favorite lines from one of my favorite movies, and I must admit to you, this says a lot about me, I guess, but have you ever seen the movie Dumb and Dumber? I mean, let's be honest, most people have. And, uh, Well, it's a pretty funny movie. And maybe you remember the line in the movie when Jim Carrey, his character, he's fallen in love with this beautiful girl who is clearly way out of his league. And he asks her a line. He says, what are the chances that a guy like me could end up taking a girl like you out to dinner? And she said, not good. 
Well, he didn't give up. He said, like, like one out of a hundred. And she said, more like one out of a million. He smiled and looked her in the eye and said, so you're saying there's a chance. That line has become one of the more memorable lines of the movie. So you're saying there's a chance. But that really speaks to the beat of every human heart when we hear that there's no way things are going to work out the way that we want them to work out. There's still part of us that says, so you're saying there's a chance? It's not a complete and total impossibility. That's because rejection is hard. And it's not just in relationships or friendships. Maybe it's in being rejected for a new job or missing out on a promotion or just wanting the credit for something that you've done well. You want someone to notice all of your hard work and all of your energy and all of your drive, but it feels like no one ever does. It's just the dark despair of rejection. No one wants to see or to hear the door shut in their face. But I think one of the most painful moments and experiences of rejection is when we finally work up the courage to speak about our faith, to talk about what Jesus means to us, to discuss a Bible passage with someone else and then the people that we're talking to they don't listen they don't accept a single word they may even say stop talking to me about it altogether that rejection is unique not only is it embarrassing but it feels just especially painful But a close reading of the New Testament proves to us that Jesus experienced that rejection all of the time. And maybe one of the more memorable days that he experienced that type of rejection takes place in Mark chapter 6. Jesus had gone back home to where he was raised. And the rejection was worse than it had ever been. I want you to listen to what Mark records for us in Mark, the sixth chapter, verses one through six. Mark says that Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him that He even does miracles. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So Jesus said, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people 
and heal them. And Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Rejection, a struggle that transcends time. How do we deal with rejection? Well, I want us to notice a few things today about how Jesus dealt with his. I mean, there are some easy explanations as to why Jesus faced rejection in that small, broken-down town of Nazareth. It was his hometown, his old stomping grounds, so he's dealing with past history. You've probably noticed in your life that it's really hard to escape your past, even if it's a good past. You never truly outgrow it. Even if you've moved on in life and you are far into your career, you've bought a home, you have three or four kids, people who remember you as a small child still tend to view you in that way. I think it's interesting that Mark tells us in verse 3 that the people took offense at Jesus. Why did they tend take offense at Jesus. I mean, what had Jesus done? What had Jesus said that was so offensive? At other locations in his ministry, even just a couple of days before, Jesus had been calling the Pharisees hypocrites, traditionalists, poisonous yeast. I mean, that's offensive. But what has Jesus said in the synagogue that was offensive? He's just teaching. You see, Jesus has said nothing offensive. What is speaking louder than his words is his past. They're thinking, who who does this man think he is? (laughs) He used to be a carpenter. He used to make his living with a hammer and nails. And now he thinks he is some great scholar. Possibly there was some jealousy. It was Jewish custom that any Jewish man could speak in the synagogue. Maybe at this synagogue in Nazareth, there was a rotation of speakers. I mean, if that's the case, Jesus has been gone for months, if not years. Maybe some men thought to themselves, hey, it's, uh, <laughs> it's my week. It's my turn. You can't just leave this town, barge out of here, and then barge in here out of nowhere and take over. It could be the fact that Jesus refers to himself as a prophet in verse 4. That really could have struck the nerve with especially the Jewish men. Because faithful Jews in the synagogue would have been very familiar with passages like Deuteronomy 18.15 that said, The Lord, Jehovah, He will raise up a prophet among you, one of your own brothers, and you must listen to him or you will be cut off from the people. Maybe there are a few gray hairs or a few sore heads thinking and even whispering behind Jesus' back, Oh, Jesus thinks he's that prophet. Jesus thinks he's that guy. Isn't that humble of him? Now, truth be told, we might have thought the same thing if, if we were in their shoes. 
But it's also important to note that not everyone rejected Jesus in Nazareth. In reading this passage, we often fail to notice that in verse 2, Mark tells us many who did hear Jesus, they were amazed. They weren't offended. They weren't jealous. They weren't annoyed. They were amazed. So it begs the question, well, then why didn't they, those who were amazed, speak up and tell the others to hush? Your guess is as good as mine. Probably because they didn't want to be rejected either. But I think it's a good reminder that not everyone we try to tell about our faith will reject us. Some people actually will listen. Some people will actually be interested. We're very good at playing the victim card, and we often play it too soon. Many people think they've experienced rejection, when in reality what they've experienced is fear. Maybe they haven't even really tried to tell others about Jesus. I was at a conference many years ago at Harding University where I went to college, and there was a gentleman teaching a class that day about how he had been successful in holding personal Bible studies and evangelism. He had baptized hundreds of people over the years. And so students and other preachers and teachers all assembled in a fairly large lecture hall to hear this man give his secret as to how he had been so successful in not only getting people to study with him, but to devote their lives to Christ. We all sat there and we had out our pens and our paper and, well, the younger students had out their laptops to take notes. And I remember us all just waiting for him to give us his secret. And he said, you want to know what my secret is? And we all leaned in a little bit closer. He said, I ask people if they want to have a Bible study. We all kind of looked at each other as if he was joking. I mean, surely there's something more to it, right? Surely there's, there's some other theory or some other form or some other method that has been so successful. No, not really. The Bible speaks for itself. This man said his secret was asking people, do they want to have a Bible study? You see, that's the question that most people never get around to asking. Would you like to study the Bible? They often say, well, no one's going to be interested, or, or people have told me that they don't really want to, when in reality, they may or may not have ever even asked the actual question. Would you like to sit down together and study about the life of Jesus? I read an article a couple of years ago that really impressed me and really encouraged me, and it was done by the Barna Research Group. They they study and observe and evaluate different trends of churches and really just religious life in America. And this particular article said that 82% of people through a survey had admitted that if they had been asked to attend a church on a weekend, 82% of them would have said yes. 
Eight out of ten people that you ask, would you like to come to church with me this Sunday? Eight out of those ten people would have taken you up on your invitation. It may not be that rejection is as real as our refusal to try. We aren't in the asking to church business anymore. We aren't in the asking to study the Bible business anymore. And we really need to be. Because more people will say yes than say no. Even for Jesus in Nazareth, we read from the Gospel of Mark that there were many people that were amazed. Now, don't get me wrong, we will still experience rejection. In fact, if we're doing our job as Christians, we'll probably experience more rejection than we do acceptance. So back to our question for today, how should we deal with rejection? How do we keep moving forward at all costs? Well, I think an important thing to remember is that we need to remember others' rejection. I think it's interesting after Mark discusses Jesus' rejection in Mark chapter 6. The next few verses record Jesus telling his disciples, You're about to be rejected too. He sends out the twelve for their first mission trip. And he tells them these words beginning in verse 8. He says, Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, then shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. Jesus says, some people won't listen, so I'm getting you ready right now. You're going to have to shake the dust off your feet. And it did prepare them. Eleven of those men would spend the rest of their lives in service to Jesus, not only being rejected, but killed for their faith. Or remember what Jesus said in John 15, verse 18. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Don't we often draw comfort knowing that others have endured what we have endured and they have survived? (laughs) Of course we do. Parents become empty nesters and they worry about dropping their children off at college. And that's when other parents who have been down that road, they step in and they they say, oh, yes, that that first drive home from college, it's going to be hard. And those first couple of weeks in the house, when it's real quiet, it will be challenging. But guess what? Pretty soon, you're going to love it. Pretty soon, you're going to be so glad you will get through this. Now, sometimes people don't always know what to say. They do more harm through their words than good. I remember several years ago, my dad went in for a surgery, and and we were sitting there. 
in the hospital room after the surgery was over and a gentleman came by from church and said, you know, I've had this done before and it wasn't too bad for me. Now, I had a friend who had this done and he died. I remember my dad looking at that gentleman, smiling and saying, well, thanks for stopping by. That wasn't the most encouraging thing he could have said. But when it comes to rejection, here's what Jesus promises us. He says, I've been there. My disciples have been there. And you will be there. But when it happens, understand that you're going to make it. You will survive and you will come out stronger than you were before. And secondly, if we want to keep pressing forward in rejection, we don't just remember others' rejection, but we rejoice in our rejection. Now, rejection doesn't deepen our happiness, but it does deepen our faith. The Apostle Peter phrased it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. He said, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Do you hear those words? Peter said, when you're insulted for being a Christian, the Spirit of God, He hovers over your life. He is closer to you than He's ever been. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. But if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. Parents go to great effort to pick the perfect name for their child. That's why you don't hear about a lot of baby boys being born and being named Judas, or beautiful baby girls being born and being named Jezebel. That's also why I did not name any three of my sons Mo. If you think about that for a moment, you'll probably get it. But Peter's saying... When people insult you because of your conviction, and they say you're just some ignorant, out-of-touch-with-reality Christian, that's a moment of victory. You can rejoice because you bear the name of Christ. Paul joined in this same anthem in the book of Philippians. And the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings. Paul said, yes, I want to know Christ better, but I do that by sharing in some of the suffering that He endured. I may not necessarily experience the pain of Calvary, but I will experience the pain of rejection. I mean, people say, I-, I want to be closer to Christ, so they go out and they look for the newest, best book on the shelf. But Jesus says, do you really want to be closer to me? Well, then you're going to experience some rejection. Because then you will truly understand what it means to live like Christ. 
And Paul explains in the next few words why that is so important. Paul says, somehow, so I can attain to the resurrection from the dead. Do you realize what that's saying? Paul is saying baptism isn't the only thing that leads to our resurrection. Rejection does too. Without rejection, there is no resurrection. So many people want to wear the crown without carrying the cross. But it doesn't work that way. And so in rejection, we rejoice. Because we know that in each trial, we step closer to the throne of God. Babe Ruth will always be known as one of the greatest baseball players to ever live. He was the great Bambino, the Sultan of Swat, the Colossus of Clout. And he held an unbeatable record for many years without steroids, hitting 714 home runs in his career. Many people do not realize that even with those 714 home runs, Babe Ruth struck out 1,330 times. People talk about those 714 home runs as the defining characteristic of Babe Ruth's career. But in reality, what made Babe Ruth such a great baseball player were those 1,330 walks of failure back to the dugout. That's what made him great. Because that's what made him grow. You see, as wonderful as it is to hear someone say yes to God's plan of salvation, after we teach them, that's not what deepens our faith the most. What makes us true disciples, what makes us truly committed, what makes us most like Jesus is rejection. When people say no, but when we keep trying, that's when we truly walk and talk and live like Jesus. Because we know that regardless if we hit a home run or regardless if we strike out, we're giving our all. My friends, give it your all. Because when you're spent, God pours back into your life time and time again. I want to close today by encouraging you once again to keep your eyes on heaven and also to remember that along this journey of life there will be road work along the way but here at Road Talk we want to help you get ready by navigating your journey have a great week and we will talk to you next time